Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast across the stolen continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm AC Hunter. On today's show, you'll hear from Zach Romagnoli Townsend, a Mudawindji person and coordinator for SEED, Australia's first Indigenous youth climate network. Zach was speaking as part of the final plenary of the Students of Sustainability Conference, held in Nam, Melbourne, in the second week of July. The plenary was focused on the future of organising and environmental and social justice movements. My name is Zach Romagnoli Townsend. I'm a Mudawindji person, so my great-great-grandmother's country is Mudawindji in New South Wales, and I am a coordinator for SEED. And SEED is Australia's first Indigenous youth-led climate justice action network. So it's quite a mouthful, but it's similar to the Australian Youth Climate Coalition, um, only we're all Indigenous. Um, So, yeah, I'll talk a bit about SEED and how we organise and what we've learned from different uh, movements around the globe. So... Something that has influenced us pretty heavily, I believe, is a booklet called Organising Cools the Planet, and I would highly recommend this to anybody who's interested in organising, especially to do with climate justice, because it's packed full of really useful, easy-to-understand tools, and lots of our organising's based off that, but it's also organised... It's also based off um, our experience from organising on the front line. And um, a front line is... uh, There's a specific definition in this booklet uh, about what a front line is. So a front line community is a community that is directly impacted by an issue and can articulate what's happening to them, uh, what's happening to them and how they're being affected by the structural issue. So everybody has a front line and... I would, um, you know, a first step into activism is finding your front line because you, you know, you can assist people in their front lines also, but everybody has one. And so there is a saying, and this might be slightly wrong and it might be slightly paraphrased, but, um, and I also forget the person who said it, but, um, yeah, all right, I'll just, it's me. Yeah, so, um, If you've come to help me, then you're wasting your time. But if your liberation is tied up with mine, then let's work together. So, yeah, thanks. (laughs) It's not me, but yeah. So, some of us identify as activists. Now, there is a slight distinction between activism and organising. So, where activism is using your power and strength to... um, to make change and to take a stand. Organising is when you do this, but you also bring other people along with you and you help to empower them to do it. And you can have more of an exponential sort of effect where you build a movement. And we all know that 
social movements led by pretty much always uh, young students, students of life, um, passionate people are what makes change in society. In society, we've seen it over and over again with the civil rights movement, with um, with women's rights, animal rights, uh, the environment movement. But uh, I'd also like to recognise that some people don't have the the privilege to be able to be part-time activists or to be able to elect where they decide to try and make change. For some communities, it's a way of life and a way of surviving, is that you just have to organise to get by. And uh, in Australia, that is our First Nations rightful sovereign people who are activists or organisers or, you know, community members... As soon as you wake up, um, and probably in your dreams too, you know, it's like, um, and I'm, you get to choose a bit, so sometimes where you get to work, but there are certain things that are more effective and certain things, I guess, that are less effective, but the only way to really find out is to get out there and to do it. And what I say and what I've sort of heard that people like to get out of being involved in movements is sort of three main things. It's that... You get personal connections. You make you know friends with a bunch of really awesome, like-minded people. You get skills and knowledge about how to be an effective activist, change maker, and you also get to directly impact and change those uh, the, the things that you're worried about. So, climate change, climate justice. Uh, climate justice is the combination of climate change and social justice. And the reason that we combine those two things is because climate change and social justice are inextricably linked. That means you can't really take them apart because people issues and environmental issues are the same issues. Um, you, because people have lived in landscape since forever and managed landscape since forever. So that is why we do this. And a bit of an explanation or a bit of an example of how climate justice or injustice manifests is that the people who are first and worst affected are already the most vulnerable and oppressed disadvantaged members of society who have been affected by having their countries mined and um, and have less material wealth to defend themselves from the impacts of climate change. So, whereas the people who did cause, who caused the issue are the big industrialised societies and nations from the global um, north who perpetuated these issues, caused them, but are also better to deal with them, uh, better off because they can rebuild their houses, they have insurance policies, and so they can pretend that they're not going to affect them. And then they also benefit um, more from the solutions because they can set up giant uh, renewable farms and stuff. So this work is about recognising that things are changing. You can't, you can't stay the same because the world is not static. It's a constant change and the climate has been changing since forever. But now there's no debate about it. Humans are causing some really, uh, some really rapid and disturbing change to the climate that has sustained us for the entirety of human history. So recognising that that change is already happening and then trying to make that change the most just that it can be is what this work is about because we don't want to perpetuate the exact same 
uh, structures of oppression that have caused this issue, where giant corporates can come in, steal resources, burn them for their own use, and then um, just keep using that power to perpetuate um, privilege and wealth. So, yeah, um, there's a number of different tools out there that you can use. Some of the ones that we use at Seed include um, conversations and I think relationships are the most important thing for this work. And it's about the relationship and then the change comes. So you build strong relationships with people and you help them to find meaning and purpose. As you, you Basically, you find your own meaning and purpose in these, in these movements. And that a lot of activists assume that because something is true, that it's going to be meaningful. So um, an example is uh, 350 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is reasonably safe, yada, yada. So that's truth, but it kind of can go over people's head. Um, when the, tr the opposite is true uh, quite a lot of the time, where if something is meaningful to someone, then they are going to think that it's true. So if you can help people to make meaning around their pain, then you can do that through you know, running events, uh, building a local group. Then people start to believe things to be true because it's making sense to them. They're going, hang on, yeah, this is making sense to me because I'm affected by these issues as well. And it's about meeting people where they're at. You know, you're probably not going to agree, like I'm probably not going to agree with a farmer who thinks that, they own the land and it's theirs and they're going to be affected. But we're probably going to agree on the fact that climate change is an issue because of drought or something. So meeting people where they're at and helping them to move through that and aligning your front lines is a good way to do this because we're not going to all agree on everything, but there are some important things that we can agree on and I think that that's like safe air to breathe, safe, clean drinking water and a healthy country because we are country, country is us and it's a reciprocal um, relationship. That means you give back to what has given you life and it goes on forever. And this is something that is not new stuff that we're making up. People have been protecting and maintaining country since time immemorial. So we're just continuing that in new contemporary ways that are relevant. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. On today's show, I'm sharing a talk given by Zach Romagnoli Townsend, a Mudawindji person and coordinator for SEED, Australia's first Indigenous youth climate network. They're speaking about the future of organising and shared some interesting advice on bringing people into the movement. Uh, I was I started to talk about conversations. So we have two different kinds of conversations that we have and we're explicit about what they are. And so that's relational conversations and intentional conversations. So a relational conversation is all about the relationship with the person. So, you know, it starts pretty informally and it generally continues pretty informally. And it's about who that other person is and what they like, what their passions are, what worries them and what makes them feel better and what they... And it can lead to what that person might like to do in the movement and how they might like to contribute to the movement and, and use those passions. So it might be photography, for instance, and that person can take photos of actions. 
but that doesn't the intent doesn't come in until the intentional bit of the conversation so they're two separate conversations you have your relational first where you just get to know another person and it could start from a stranger in the street um, it could be hey how are you and uh, have you heard about what might be going to happen to the the Great Barrier Reef, it's under threat by climate change, and you start this conversation happening. And then when you get to the intentional bit of the conversation, you start to tease out what that intent is and where you might go together or where you might help that person to plug into the movement. And as an organiser, what I do is to think about a specific role in the movement that that intent might work into. So... I, you know, my brother, my younger brother's now involved in the movement and he has grown as a public speaker and stuff like that. And so he takes on a bit of a leadership role as well. And I sort of hope that I can be in the process of self-pruning um, so that, you know, he can grow as well. Uh, and the this is linked to something we call the four concentric circles of commitment, so this is just basically, like, imagine a target with, like, circles and then bigger circles. The inside is your core, then you have your um, your committed, then connected, and then community. So right in the core are the people who are leading the movement, who are the coordinators and your staff team or whatever. And then as you go further out, you get less and less committed to some degree, or maybe those people know less about your movement. And... When you create an event, you sort of you want to make events that cater for your core and your committed people because they're going to run the event and they're going to be there for sure. But you want to also create an event that caters for the connected people who have only heard about you and might have liked the Facebook page, but also the community who could just be walking by in the street. So that means having roles like public liaison. So someone at a... At, um, at a rally or protest or whatever whose specific role is to just talk to people who are passing by and who stop to listen for a second and then you can go oh hey how's your day going and they could be like what's this about and you can tell them what it's about and have that real conversation so you do that with other young people and we're all we all care um about something or other and we're all together on this planet so uh also there's another quote that I think is pretty um, powerful. And so it goes like this. Teach me to fish and I will eat until the river is contaminated and polluted. Teach me to organize and then whatever the challenge, I can join together with my peers and we will fashion our own solution. I didn't make this up at all. This is also... <laughs> I read it. Thank you, yeah. Um, so, yeah, th this world is socially created and that's not to blame anyone because, you know, people did this. It means that we can make the world that we want to live in. So you have to work to do that um, and you might not find a paid job. I haven't managed to <laughs> find one in this. But that's part of the problem is that some work is paid and some work isn't paid and that translates to, you know, domestic and emotional labour being unpaid but destroying country through mining being paid. So... Yeah, you have to work like you would work for anything else if you want a world free of transphobia, racism, sexism, uh, oppression, disadvantage and um, ecocide, you know, destruction of country. So, yeah, it's about getting out there and just learning on the ground. Um, there's a bunch of different frames. Um, another tool that we use is like 
three circles, sort of like a Venn diagram. Up the top you have what people really need, then what's politically realistic, and then down the bottom, the false solutions. So what people really need is their basic necessities met. Um, what's politically realistic might be like a carbon, a price on carbon or something, um, but those are actually false solutions because they aren't helping the people who are the most, who are the first and worst affected. It just means that people with enough money can pollute. Um, so yeah, so thinking about these things and creating actions that work across these spectrums of all the different people in the different levels of commitment who may or may not have heard, or and working with these different frameworks to push things from you know to focus on what people really need, making that politically realistic and pushing out the false solutions and seeing it for what you know we feel it is. Uh, th there's no rules for this, no codified stuff that you can follow. You just kind of have to feel what feels right, I think. I just wanted to talk about care, self-care, just care in general um, as well. So there's quite a bit of stuff in that booklet that I mentioned before, Organising Cools the Planet, and that's by Hillary and Moore. And you can find that on the internet. It's about 60 pages long. If you Google Organising Cools the Planet PDF, you'll find it. And um, so that, this booklet's talking about centering care as the fundamental basis for what we are doing because we are caring about, you know, caring for country, caring for each other, for animals for plants, uh, for the entire spectrum, for that whole ecology. And so sometimes there's a bit of a dichotomy about uh, and a difference between the way that we treat ourselves and the way we would treat or care for other people. And a lot of the time we can be like super hard on ourselves and say stuff like, this work is more important than I am and I really have to you know, dig in and I'm just not doing good enough and, and, and it can manifest in the form of guilt about uh, the fact that we're still using plastic or fossil fuels for certain things but that guilt can be really detrimental because you start to internalise the fact that you might not be as good as you could be or whatever but the same way that you would do to your best friend, you can build yourself up um, and it doesn't have to be self-care. Self-care doesn't have to be an, an emergency where you're totally exhausted and you've got to run a bath and put bath salts and you, your bath bomb and have a, a wine and stuff. But they, that could be quite nice too. But I think um, it's, prevention is the best cure. So if you are doing this work in a way that centers care and keeps care alive and you're looking out for each other and yourself, then you're not going to get to that emergency point. And... The way that you can do that um, is, yeah, by like building yourself up, by thinking about ways that this stuff can be medicine. So I believe that anything can be medicine or toxin, depending on how you use it. If you abuse anything, then it can become detrimental um, and move from that position where it was helpful um, to to a detriment. So when like thinking about delegating for instance it can sometimes feel like a burden that you shift over onto someone you know i've got 20 calls to make but i've also got to drive over here and you feel like you got all this weight that you're lugging around in a giant backpack and you just want to give it off to other people but it can also be purpose for people so people can feel invited in and feel like wow i'm being trusted with um emceeing an event or something and then they come into their own and they really get like personal growth out of it so 
thinking about uh, the work that you do as an opportunity for growth is really good rather than just something you sort of have to trudge through and, and just get done, you know? Like, it's all about growth and using these, these things to, to become better people out of it. And you can do that. And I've found that that's what it's been for me is I've been able to find purpose and feel like there's real meaning and, and want to do the work that I'm doing and really enjoying it. So, yeah, where I'm also seeing a lot of people take on heaps of strain when we're all in this together and to change everything, we need everyone. Uh, something, one of the frameworks or the, the things that we talk about is the barriers to participation. So a person might really want to take action and have some ideas about the way that they'd like things to go, but there could be a number of barriers stopping that person. So that could be being self-conscious, not having enough money to buy your ticket and to travel here, not being invited and not feeling like the space would be welcoming or something. So it's about uh, to, to make people feel welcome, you try to peel away these barriers for people and make it more ris- realistic for them to get involved. And so that might, it could be really easy. It could be like, hey, do you want to come? And then, that, you know, maybe the barrier is that they just don't know that the action is on and then they could come. But other demographics and frontline communities often need more assistance and have more barriers to participation. So, uh, you know, people who live in Borolula have a whole lot more travel to do to come to SOS, for instance, um, than someone who already lives in Nam. So, you know, you might need to support with travel costs or, or, these, or um, yeah, a bunch of other things like... Uh, a person might need help to believe in themselves a bit. So so empowering people through inviting them into stuff is good. Uh, and organising to be good allies to get people in a position where they can attend these things is really important too, I think. Um, we want to be inclusive, we want to invite people and we want to have um, collaboration, even though the person might not be exactly you know, of the same political orientation. I think that this is collaborative work and that... Uh, it, it necessarily means that you, yeah, you have to get involved. Like ideas are great, but it's that it's the interaction that is changing things. Uh, it's a social world, and so interactions are really important. I think, yeah, that's me. You've been listening to Zach Romagnoli Townsend from Seed, Australia's first Indigenous youth climate network, speaking at the final plenary of the Students of Sustainability Conference held in Nam. Melbourne in the second week of July. You can learn more about Seed by checking out their website www.seedmob.org.au. Thanks to Zach for sharing some valuable advice from their experience organising for climate justice. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm AC Hunter. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Nam, on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact with Earth Matters, you can call us on 03 9419 8377. You can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or you can go to our Facebook page. 
I hope you tune in next time for more Earth Matters. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.